Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Hey, can we give it up for our teens today? We got some, where are teens at? Most, most definitely. We got the teens in the house, makers is in the, in the building. So um, if you are new here, I'm Pastor Jay Harris. We are happy to have you at DeVille Church, and we are going to get it uh, moving and grooving this morning. Y'all heard about thanks, uh, Friendsgiving? Does, does anybody know, where did the term Friendsgiving come from? Does anybody know? Okay. I blamed it on the white people. I'm just letting you know. I, I, I was with some of my black friends the other day, and I was like, I said, yo, bro, y'all need to come through, slide through for, for Friendsgiving. And they're like, bro, what is Friendsgiving? And I just got stuck because I never thought about it. And I was just like, my white friends made it up. I was like, it's what we do. It's Thanksgiving, but it's just your friends. And they was like, oh, okay, it works. I was like, yeah, man. And so y'all got the patent on that, whether you like it or not. I'm just letting you know you got the patent on it, all right? So, yeah, that friend's giving up in this thing. All right, bet. So, I think you already heard the announcement. I'm going to double down on it. If you want to come, then make sure you go to Connect at the end of service or whatever, because then they'll give you out, they'll give out the address and y'all can come through. All right? Y'all good on that? And so, I'm going to try to push through this sermon. I feel like I have a lot, but I want to, you know, make it so we can get out the crib. And y'all know I have 10 kids. I want to get my house looking like we're not as disgusting as we really are. Right? So... Because some of y'all are going to walk in my house and be like, oh, man, so clean. Like, you know, for all the kids, I'm like, you, nah, okay. We're trying to show out for you. Normally, it's a couple hidden pampers around here and all that. You know how it goes. So let's get into it. This morning, we are inside of James 5. We're going to be in James 5, verses 7 through, um, 7 through 12. And I'm really excited about this, uh, this text. And it, it, it's been giving me life just personally as I've been going through it. And it, I think I'm in a, I'm in a hyper mood this morning because I feel like the word is just, as I've been working through this text, it's just been giving me life and, and pointing me to Jesus. There you go. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven through uh, James 5, 7 through uh, 12. All right, so I just want to give you a quick recap, right? We're in James 5. We started off last week. We went with 1 through 6. In James 5, 1 through 6, James is like on killer mode going against like rich people right? Like, I'm, I, there's no other way to say it or whatever. Like, he's like, he is talking about the people who are rich and in power who actually perpetuate systems of corruption. Like, he says it like, he says, he says, the wages of the people you have defrauded, the, the, the harvesters who, who you've come up with corrupt ways to, to, to not help them thrive, but to keep them in this rat race and, and this will or whatever and stuff, you've like intentionally sabotaged them for your own benefit. And he says to them, he goes, you have condemned and you've murdered. Those are the words he uses. And he says it like that because he's like, he said, if you, if, you, if you pull a card and you're thinking to yourself like, nah, like, you know, like we, we, we knocked a few dollars off the table. He's like, no, you don't understand. Like, the systems it caused or whatever made food deserts, it made neighborhoods, it made being a drug dealer on the corner a viable option to survive. And it ended up with actually blood in the streets. Literally, right? Literally. We just had somebody killed on 8th Street, a young man this week, 
right? It's a real thing. And so he's like, there's things that contribute to it. That's why we can look at certain zip codes and see that the data is, is higher and we can tie it to economics, health problems, all of those things. And so James is actually going in on that. Y'all with me so far? He has a problem with it. So he hits that and then he jumps into, in, into seven and we're going to go through seven through 13 and I want you to grab this. I'm going to go quick because I'm, I'm hype. I don't know if the coffee, I think they put an extra shot into something. Whatever, but I'm also excited about the text. But he says in the first, uh, first uh, scripture, he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Right? So he just addressed the wickedness of those who perpetuate corrupt systems. Right? And then he turns and he says, Be patient. But he also says, Therefore, brothers. So what he does in this moment is that James goes and he has proximity with the broken people, the people who are actually getting stepped on. He says, this is very, very real, what's going on. And he says, but let me lead you in it. He says, be patient. He tells them, be patient, right? He is, I always say this to y'all. When we talk about racial reconciliation, when we talk about the health of communities, when we talk about even sitting in the room together, right? We're here right now, this room is very diverse. If some of us take the person that's the other back to our neighborhoods, it's gonna cost us a little something, right? They're gonna be like, yo, Jay, who's your, who's your white friend with you? Or maybe if you pull somebody in your circle, they'll be like, yo, who's your, who's your, who's your Latin friend? Or who's, who's, who's the black dude hanging with you that you brought to dinner? Things are gonna get funny. Right? Because in our different contexts, people believe something about other people, and when you bring somebody that's different in the middle of it, there's going to be a cost if that's really a friend. Y'all get where I'm coming from? This, like, and so the word talks about how Jesus, he wore our reproach. So when Jesus comes down, he stands, to, he, he's holy, he's perfect, and he gets next to these humans, and now everybody's looking at him like, yo, I see him coming out the bar. I think he's a drunkard. He's hanging with the, with the tax collectors. I know he's, he's getting money. You seen his sandals? He got the Air, the Air Jordan joints, the, the eight straps. He has them. It's 23 straps on them. Jesus has them. He's, he's under all of this stuff where they are like, but he's bearing our reproach, right? He's having mercy on us to see us, to see us grow, to see us re, um, redeemed, right? He's bearing our reproach. James is doing that. He's modeling that for the people he's actually speaking to. And you can't even do ministry without bearing each other's reproach. It's completely ridiculous to even have the thought, right? When we think about most people's gripes towards the church in America today, what they're griping about is our lack of proximity, right? Like when, what James talked about in the text, the rich people, people are like, yo, we feel like the church is all up in that mix. Y'all stand very close to the people who whatever, who we feel like are perpetuating these problems in the system. Or you're in your building stuck and you don't actually come out to the streets. There's no way to do this without bearing each other's reproach. There's no, there's, there's, if we want to be, if we want to be like, you can't be, you know what I'm saying, the Justin Bieber of it all. You got to settle for being, who's a horrible artist? Hold on. Hold on. Brother. Where the elders at? If you go at the Beebs up in here, bro, don't do it. Everybody know Beebs is the guy. Always been the guy. 
baby. Oh, anyway, I'm going to chill. I'm going to chill. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. That's my guy, all right? But, like, it, it, it involves us not, like, I'm not with the cute folks. I'm with, I'm with them, right? That's, that's how ministry gets perpetuated. And so that's what James is actually bringing to the table there. But he says, be patient. He says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. It's a very important statement because he just talked about this corrupt system, and now he's telling them, he's edifying them, encouraging them on how to actually stand in it, right? So he's not trying to sell them fairy tale land like that doesn't exist or what, and all these other things. He's like, that is. Don't be vague about it. It is what you think you're seeing. Y'all get where I'm coming from? You know how we're like, you know, like, man, I just feel like something, you know, like we go through the court system and all these things seem kind of off. They're not kind of off. They're off. They are. They're off. That's what he's saying. He's saying that is what's happening. Y'all are being taken advantage of. You are being robbed. And when Jesus said in Romans 8 that this, that, that, excuse me, when Paul said, he said that the systems of this world, he said, he said the earth is subject to futility. He was saying that it was made to be broken because if it's not broken, then we are just going to keep building and building and building more idols. And God meant for it to frustrate us, for us to find ourselves in these situations like, Lord, I need you. Every day I need you. You get where I'm coming from? So in his mercy and grace, he made it so it actually breaks. It's why marriage isn't just perfect and just easy. It needs some grit to it, right? It needs some endurance. It needs some patience. Axel Rose said, just have a little patience. Y'all know about Axel Rose. I'm going to leave y'all alone. Y'all are sleeping today. Anyway, all right. But it needs patience, right? Let me give you an example. You ever gotten a fight with like a sibling or something or somebody else? And then you or your kids go, okay, I'm telling mom. I'll wait till dad gets home. Y'all ever done that before? I heard that, right? What's essentially happening in the moment is that that person is saying, you know, because usually they go like calm on you, right? They're like, okay, okay. You know, and like, you know, the argument kind of like, you know, they kind of temper down. The other person might be going crazy, but they keep like, okay, all right. Okay, I'm just writing down what you said, what you said. You know, they're just collecting data because they're like, they're, they're, they, they're having peace in the middle of the storm because they're like, daddy's coming to fix it. It's the text. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Wait for the Lord to bring what it actually needs. Y'all with me so far? James is telling him, Daddy's faithful. Just wait on him. He's coming with it. Verse 8, he says, You also, be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I'm going to camp out right here on this part right here for quite a bit. I was talking to my daughter this day, I mean, uh, this week. <clears throat> and um, I asked her if I could tell you all this stuff, too. I always get permission. I want you all to tell her not just be spilling the beans on her, because I'm always going, going talking about it. But I was talking to my daughter, Monty. She's up in Chicago. Monty's um, working for a, a church that has a law team and, um, and, 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 uh, and social worker system, right, attached to the church for the community. And so Londell Church, those who know, y'all can say hey anyway. And so she calls me this week. First of all, she called me last week, and she said, man, she said, I'm dealing with these kids. And she's like, you know, it's hard. She's like, because you come in with this, this heart, 
But then you also sit next to kids that are like stone cold murderers. And it kind of throws your whole game up. Like you come in like to save the world and you're like, please, y'all need to get him. Like, you know what I'm saying? And like, it th- <laughs> you, you end up in this tension where you're like, it's absolutely crazy. And you're just like, what do you do with that? So we talked about it last week. And one of the things I was telling her, I said, I said, babe, I said, this is actually good. I said, this is good for you to feel this tension because it's a real tension. I told my wife, I'm like, man, I'm so proud of the work she's pursuing and what she's doing, but also grieve because I know the weight that comes with it. And I'm like, I'm about to watch her enter into the weight. She knows about it because she's been in our house and watching all, but it's about to be hers, right? You're like, I, I'm usually telling her my story. She's about to tell me her stories. And, and I know what that brings home with you, right? So we had that conversation last week and I tell her, I said, babe, this is why you can't waste your time. Like, I'm like, you can't just be a buddy in the middle of this. You gotta get to the gospel. I go for that kind of darkness, the thing that I go, I go sweet just like edification and like slogans and Hallmark card phrases, it's not gonna do the trick. You need to drop the bomb. You need to be working through the tension of how do I deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Like how do you actually deliver that? I said, because it's expensive. When I said it, I didn't know that she was going to find out how expensive it was that quick. She called me this week. I was about to go inside of a jail to go visit a kid, and she calls me on the phone, and she's crying. And she's like, one of my kids just got murdered. She's like, I was just with him this week. She's like, I just went to a school, I was with his grandparents, and he was, he was talking about how he's ready around the corner and make some changes, and you know, he was, he was trying to step away from the gang he was in. It's like they came and shot him in the back and the bullet came through his heart, and that's the end of that story. So I'm sitting on the phone with her, and I'm grieving, and everything in me wants to go, babe, you know, that's too much. It's too much. But the fact of the matter is, I know what she's called to do, right? So it's like either I tell her, I give her an exit plan, how to retreat, or I tell her how to establish her heart for what God has called her to do. You get where I'm coming from? Like how do you take that kind of pain and how, what do you do with it? What do we as believers do with when we, when we have that, that moment where we're like, oh, I thought this was corrupt, but like now I know it's just all out wicked, right? When I see, when I see the, the situation that, for her, the youth are in, some of their conditions at home, and then you flip to the other side of it, and you see the systematic injustice that eats them alive as well. And then you see their heart, their heart and their rebellion and their need for Jesus, and their need to repent and walk in the light, right? Let's throw you in, a, in, in, in turmoil. How do you function and go forward in that? You have to establish your heart. You have to establish your heart. He says, you also be patient, establish, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He's saying daddy's coming, right? He says he's coming. He has an eternal promise that everything is gonna be changed. I told her, I said, look this pain in the face and cry. And I was crying with her, I didn't tell her. I didn't tell her, but I was crying with her, right? I said, when you think about what God's called you to do, this is when you get the exclamation point of why it has to get done. Do you get where I'm coming from? This is when you learn how expensive just playing church is rather than actually being the church. This is where you learn, you know, the difference between being proximity of work in the streets versus actually being in the streets. 
It's real, how expensive it is. This is where you learn where just hanging out with some people and encouraging them, encouraging them and hoping they just float their way to Jesus is too expensive to not just say, I need to ask you some hard questions. I love you to death. Can I, can I, can I talk to you? You understand what I'm talking about? You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your heart in the fact that you, you believe. We talk about all the time in the word where John is saying, he, excuse me, I believe it's in John where, where, where Jesus tells the people that go, Lord, what work do we need to do? He says, the work you need to do is believe. The work you need to do is believe. And I'm not telling you to do more. What I'm telling you is that Jesus has actually done it all. He's actually established us so you can do some establishing, right? You get where I'm coming from? He paid for the house. Now you need to throw some feng shui to it. You understand what I mean? Get serious about it. Don't stay on the pallet, you know what I mean? Make this thing happen because you're, you're resourced. He has you. He has us. He's saying be patient in light of all of this stuff that's going on. Establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. The word establish comes from a word, a Greek word, stay rizzo. It's come, it comes from another word that means to, it, it's, it's referencing the support that a plant is fixed to. Y'all with me so far? It means to properly, to set fast, to properly set fast, to give support, to secure firmly, and to solidly plant, to eliminate vacillation. And vacillation means this, it's the inability to decide between different opinions and actions. It's indecision. So being planted firmly, establishing yourself, is about being very final about who you are, what you're called to. You understand what I mean? This is, this is, this is serious business. I'm looking at our church in 2020 or whatever, and man, I'm, I'm, I'm studying, I'm working on it and everything else. Sometimes I'm horrible at, 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 at relaying vision to you. I'm hard at telling you like where we're at, you know, where we're at in the middle of it, where we're going and everything else, and I can kind of give you the big thing, but it's hard for me to make it real to you every single day. But like if you're inside of this church, you're inside of something like a huge, like God is going to do something, right? This pain or whatever, this hurt, people getting killed on our street. God is going to do something about that. He ain't going to save everybody. But there's some people or whatever whose lives are going to change. The whole trajectory of their life is going to change forever because they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Because somebody decided to establish themselves in the Lord, in the work of the Lord, to be set apart, to call what's wrong, wrong, to, to preach truth, right? To call people and tell them about what Jesus has actually already done on their behalf, right? That their sins have actually been wiped away. That's what's gonna change the game. That's what's gonna change the game. We have to move past indecision. We have to move past being people like, yeah, you know, I go to church, but that really doesn't land on us, right? Good works are awesome. Going out and doing all kinds of things are good. But you know what? I don't always trust people or whatever who won't do the hard fight with their neighbor inside of the chair. Like if you won't, if you won't be inside of a church in community and actually 
work through the hard stuff with differences and people's attitudes and the way they act and everything else, I'm like, that's, that's strange to me. So you want to go save the world. That means you want to go do something, but you really don't want to, you want to be in proximity of that thing, but are you really in the walk with people? Because if any of us get close to each other, we're going to see wretchedness and ugliness. We're human. We're broken. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Right? I look at some of you in the room, and I'm just talking about, I'm, 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 I'm rambling through stuff, but like, I think about how I've seen God, number one, establish this church, but establish so many of y'all. And you don't even know you're secretly my heroes, right? I've fallen out with people in this church because I've had to tell them something that they needed to hear. It hurt them. And then they say, you know what? Me and my family are gone. Before they go, they go talk to a couple people and start talking a little crap or whatever, and I'm watching it happen, and then they leave. And then a year later, I'll look up, and they'll be standing in the corner, and they're like, I came back to repent. Repent for what? God has been doing a work on me. He's been doing a work on me. He said, Every, you know what? You actually were telling me the truth. Stuff like that blows my mind because it shows me how awesome and big God is. Because in this moment where I feel like it's falling to pieces and it's broken, he's establishing them through the conflict. He's establishing me that he's faithful and to not be so fragile because things just don't land the way I want them to land. You understand where I'm coming from? Like he's covering all bases. He loves you and he loves the person you're mad at, despite who's wrong. You understand what I'm talking about? So it's like, what does it look like for us to establish in knowing that our God is literally that big? What does it look like for when the rainy days come, we establish ourselves in knowing that like God is actually crying tears right now? That Jesus is actually praying for us and interceding for us. That he actually is looking at the ugliness and the terrible things in our heart, in all of our heart. His blood is sufficient to cover it so we're able to rest in him because we're wretched like the rich people James talks about. And he's also going to do something about the people whose heart is hard and they're not going to listen. He's going to fix it. What does it look like to get rooted in that? What does it look like to mean business, right? Huh? What does it look like to get planted for real? To not be in indecision and be in proximity to what America calls Christianity, but to be about your father's business. What does it look like to make disciples, right? To, 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 to be weak and go, God, I actually, I'm fearful to deliver the gospel to people. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the truth about many of us. But what does it look like to say, God, but you, you got the power, though, so I'm never stuck. I need you to set this opportunity up for somehow we just land dead in the middle of the gospel because I love this person. And I need you to give me power to deliver the good news the way it needs to get delivered. Maybe I don't cherish the good news enough. Set me up, Lord, right? He does this. He establishes us so we can call on him for it. Y'all with me? All right, make sure I'm not talking crazy. But it's funny that the root of this word talks about us being tied to a support, right? The plan with something that's solidly stationary and holds us, right? Reminds me of Psalm 1. I'm gonna read Psalm 1 to you because this, 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 is, this is dancing with Psalm 1 all day. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
look at this. This person does not live in indecision, right? This person is not in, in, in vacillation mode, right? They, they are not in the inability to decide between different opinions. They're like, I'm not like everybody else because of what God has done inside of me. You ever like been out when you're partying and maybe doing whatever you're doing in the world? Some of my teens that are in the room, you might be trying to be as cool as you can and fit in with everybody else, but sometimes you come home and you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm not like everybody. It's like something's I'm trying to do the thing everybody's doing, but it ain't sticking right. You feel what I'm talking about? Sometimes there's a glimpse that God is just like, I got something cut out for you a little bit different. I ain't mean for you to go with the, the flow. I mean for you to go the whole other direction. But how do we establish ourselves in that? But this person right here in Psalm, right, he says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. They've made a decision. That doesn't work for me. Nor stands in the way of sinners. Doesn't work for me. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. When Jesus saves us, he makes us zealous for his good works. We actually begin to have an appetite for what is righteous and what is good, what he calls good, right? We live in the peace that we don't earn our place with Christ, our place with the Lord by, by doing good things, but we've actually been saved to do good things, right? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree. Look at that. Planted by the streams of waters, of water. Says that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Y'all see that? I just want to clarify some things really quick. Y'all bear with me because I'm going to jump through my sermon a little bit because I'm looking at it. I'm like, we're going to be in here for four more hours if I keep playing around. But I ain't playing around. But anyway, I'm going to make it come together for us, right? It says it yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Man. Before I actually understood the gospel, I used to read that scripture. I used to be like, Lord, let's get to the prosper. Let's get to it. Unwither my leaf. Pull, a, pull up a crinkled up dollar and be like, make it right. Make it right. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about, though, right? He's talking about... God will never leave you or forsake you. That your worst days are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, right? That God orders your steps and your paths, right? So you could be in the middle of the worst conflict ever, but God in his sovereignty still has a plan for that, whether it's, it's going to enrich you, just like I was talking about. Like, you're getting rich in this situation, and the person you may have conflict is getting rich in this situation. Like, he's big like that. Where like the way we carnally add things up, he does, he's doing a whole nother math game. You understand? He's doing a whole nother game. 
We make our decision. You know, the church, Londale, that my daughter's at, whatever, we went to see them in a tour, and I asked them a question, like, you know, so the church has done $100 million in community development. They have, like I said, the law team. They have social workers on staff. They have a computer lab for kids. They have a homeless shelter. They have a pizzeria. They had a medical clinic. They had... Um, uh, dentist office, indoor basketball court, and this wasn't like mega, mega church. This is like city block with buildings. Like you, you think you're in the hood. They just own all the buildings, and they're like, we didn't even renovate all the buildings on purpose. We left them looking like they are because we didn't want to. We didn't want to push the, the the go button, the gas on gentrification. So we we went inside and did what we did, but left the exterior looking like it is. And so they just they, they're thinking holistically on these levels. And so we were sitting in the meeting, you know what I'm saying? My homeboy Mark Dingler's in, inside of the meeting too. And, and, and I, I think that I asked the question, or Mark asked the question, but we said, how did you do this? What was the plan? And they said, man, um, you're like, you know, nobody's really like a genius here. Like there wasn't really, really, it's like, like they couldn't answer. The pastor couldn't answer. So, you know, we go to lunch, and then we come back to another meeting or whatever, and Mark's like, crap, I wanted them to answer that question. You know Mark. If y'all know Mark, Mark's like, I need a plan. I want the date times, the metrics, and everything else or whatever, and stuff or whatever and all that. I'm not like that. I was rejoicing. I was like, I'm, yeah, I need to know that just God just did something despite my stupidness, right? And so Mark's like, I know I need, I need, I need a, a pie chart and the whole deal. So I, I tell Mark, I said, yo, when we go back, you ask the same question or whatever. You sit across the room. They don't know you with me. And so he goes in or whatever. So he asks the question again, and he passes it. He, the, the pastor passes the question to one of the other guys. And the guy comes up, and he goes, man, he goes, I don't know what to tell you. He goes, this is this is what we decided to do. We decided to love God with all our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. You feel me? That was, our, that was the mission. That was it. That's what we came together to do, to love God with all our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. He said, all of this stuff that you see happened because we had proximity to the community. So we, we need an indoor gym because it gets cold wasn't sufficient medical care. So we, 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 we prayed for this stuff. They, I, I said, man, you have a law team. Like you have a, like some, I'm talking about homeboys a freaking wolf too. Like he was like serious. He couldn't even talk about what they were doing without crying. He's like, yeah, it took 23 years. We knew we needed that 23 years ago. We were praying for that for 23 years for the right person to walk in here. We're always so impatient. We're so impatient. That's why I was saying earlier, I'm like, sometimes I'm bad at telling you about vision. I'm thinking in a 40-year block. It's like you pull it, you know, like the little accordion joint, whatever, you pull it out like that, I'm thinking 40 years, and then, and then hopefully it closes up in its way quicker. But, man, if we pray and we wait on the Lord and we concentrate on loving God with all our heart and loving our neighbor and ourselves, man, God will do the hard stuff. They didn't have an answer because they were in awe as well. We, we were just here loving each other. We were just loving the community, like staying close enough to feel what was broken, asking God to do miracles despite us. In 2020, I want you to work through that. I want you to think through that as we, before we go into the new year. What does it look like for you to establish yourself to be committed to loving your neighbor for real, to loving God with all your heart? What does it look like for you to go, we have an opportunity to do something absolutely amazing, 
that will, that, that, that will bring change to a community, right? What does it look like to establish your heart for it? What does it look like to look at your finances, right? And say, I want to actually, I want to redeem my finances to see this work done. I don't run the financial talk on y'all. We don't even tell you to tithe here. We tell you to lean into Jesus and let God press and weigh on your heart about giving. I don't want anybody running game on me, suckering me with a bunch of cute words about my money. I just don't. But, but I am looking to establish myself in increasing my giving. It feels like it's too much now. But I'm like, there's something at the end of this, right? There's more kids. There's, 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 we, need a, we need a van to get more kids here. Makers has quadrupled in like a month and a half in a context where people like don't even play with church no more, right? Sometimes this room is half empty. Who cares? Our babies are in, the, are in kids or whatever hearing about the gospel from people that love them. Do you understand what I'm telling you? That's not worth sowing into. We got to be out of our mind. So establish yourself. I'm telling you this because this is what I'm playing with, right? I'm looking at God like, not because I have to, because the gospel makes me want to. Because daddy has already done everything. Because his promise is coming. All the pain, like, we'll never want for nothing for eternity. So I'm looking to just be reckless with some stuff. You understand where I'm coming from? He is like a tree planted by streams of waters. It's actually water, but I just keep putting the S on it because it feels better. Like, by waters, oceans, all that. Verse 9 says, do not grovel against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Now he's just dropping jewels on the people, right? He's letting them know. He's like, listen, don't grumble against each other. While you are being patient, while you are being patient, people are going to be sitting two seats over from you being impatient. While you go to work and kids, people are going to be calling out. They're going to be trying your nerves, right? And you're going to want to choke somebody. Mo, I see you over there, Mo. I see you over there. He's saying, be patient. Don't judge him. We're his children. We're all being sanctified. We all have different things or whatever that are absolutely a wreck. He's calling us to be patient with each other. Don't play judge because the real judge is actually at the door. Y'all get where I'm coming from? And then in verse 10, he says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. I don't want you to miss this in this text right here. But he says, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord after he tells them as an example of suffering and patience. He's saying that like that because he's, he's differentiating the prophets. The prophets were people who had privy to secret things of God, right? 
They, 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 they had the hotline, you know what I'm saying? They had the hotline. God is speaking to them, speaking to them with dreams. God is giving them words to go deliver to the people. So when we talk about the imbalance in the earth and the craziness and, 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 and Israel and, and, and exile and all the different things that are happening, everything that's being disrupt, um, um, disrupted systematically around them, the corruption that's before them, the corruption that's happened in the temple of God, you have the people serving God and they're just going in and they're like, it's just something to do. It's just a routine. Their hearts are far actually from it. They are in the middle of what God is actually talking about that, right? So like, but they actually were persevering through this. What I'm trying to tell you is that they saw the, the ugly part of it. They, they, they saw the ugly part of it. We call Jeremiah the suffering prophet. He was angry, embittered, everybody. He distinguished himself but he wasn't celebrated for. We would say his leaf was withering. You know, we'd be like, hey, listen, Brother Jeremiah, I know the Lord's been talking to you, and he sent some angels to speak to you. You sound crazy. Shut up. You can get stoned out here, bro. I'm just trying to look out for you. We'd, be, we'd tell him to simmer down. But he was, he, was, he was set. He was establishing who he was, and he was struggling through it. He was struggling through it. He had to hold on to the Lord. But his word was, word was true. God had, had a purpose for, 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 for him, right? He says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take a look back. He knew the, he knew the Jews he was talking to would know exactly what, what he meant when he said that. Verse 11, he says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. James is telling them, peep the rhythm. Establish yourself in what you know to be true about God, right? Stop letting every gust of wind and every wave just knock you over. Stop letting it hit you when, when, when trials and tribulations or your money's a little bit off or your comfort's played with. Stop looking up at God like, I don't, I, don't really, I don't really know if you, I don't know. Pull God down every time something gets hard. We're not set, right? What does it look like to suffer well? What does it look like to have, have fellowship with Jesus in the midst of suffering? It's one of the reasons why, it's just a side note, it's why fasting and praying is so helpful sometimes. Because it's this weird place where like, you're like, your body is like turning on you in the midst of it. And then you're actually before the Lord, almost like consuming him for sus like sustenance. You know what I'm saying? Check the resume. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. We consider them blessed because they've moved on into eternity. But even when we talk about Job particularly, Job suffered a, a blow that many people could not walk through. And he still was fighting to stay righteous and protect who God was. His wife is like, homie, look at you. Your skin is dripping off of you like candle wax. Curse God and die, bro. Are you still fighting for him up there? You still trying to, like, keep his resume clean? Job is good, 
eternally good. Not only that, God doubled everything in his life, the blessings and the things around his life. It's nothing compared to the eternal promise that we all have, right? But it was something. And we still, to this day, look back and read Job during our darkest nights. I get that call probably 20 times a year where somebody's like, everything's falling to pieces. I've been reading Job. God was making Job into a monument, right, to point us to himself during rainy days. You have seen the purpose of the Lord. Don't act like you don't know. Don't act like you don't know suffering is a part of this. Paul tells Timothy, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. That's what Paul is telling him on the way out the door. He didn't say, yo, homie, live fast, get money, you know what I'm saying? Pop bottles and live it up. He didn't tell him that. He's like, brother, gird yourself up. Share in suffering. This is the will of the Lord, right? When everybody goes, there's a fire over there and they're running away, talk to the Lord for a minute because he might need you to run to it. And if he does, it's going to be well. You understand where I'm coming from? It's diff we're different. We don't just take off. We go, Lord, what would you have me to do here, right? Fire might be the perfect place for us to be. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It's throughout this Bible from the front to the back, and then it ends with this right here. It says, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. And he's basically saying operate in truth. Patience perpetuates truth. Do not rush into oaths that would make you out to be a liar. Protect your community by not doing that, by being patient, right? Don't swear by heaven or by earth, but trust in the Lord. I want us to pray. I'm going to close with this right here, but I want to I wanna close by... Number one, really edifying you in the truth of what Christ has actually done for us. James is talking to believers, and he is talking to people who are zealous for good works and in the midst of um, trials and tribulations, and they are being abused, and they are being the, the, the system is standing on their neck. And he's telling them to establish themselves. Get yourself set up to push through this thing. Focus your eyes on the Lord, right, who's faithful, who's, who's faithful to us. But here's the thing. You can't put the cart before the horse. So you can't do that. You can't make this into a, a sweet something on your, your task list if you've yet to be established by the Lord, Right? The gospel of Christ is this right here, that God, that Jesus walked this earth perfectly, perfectly. He lived in flesh, in a body, dealt with the same temptations we did, and he has not one single check on his resume for sin, for evil, for wickedness. He is holy. That's why we call him the Lamb of God. You understand? 
in the Old Testament to wipe their sins away, they would bring a perfect spotted lamb and they would sacrifice this lamb to God and that would be their payment for their sin to wipe their sins away. Jesus, he's the, he's the final sacrifice. It's the true sacrifice. We're not Christians because we're good people. We're Christians because God is good and he saves wretched people. He saves sinful people. He saves, he takes his perfect resume and he exchanges it for a rotten resume. Two of my homeboys, I was talking to them before I came in to preach or whatever, they called on the phone. Jim was in the office and, and, uh, and so, you know, I was like, yo, what's up? Yo, what's good? Where y'all at? We just talking straight crazy talk. And when I get off the phone and she's like, yo, why are you talking like that? Like, you know, she's like, what kind of conversation was that, right? I said, yo, this is my homeboys or whatever. From back, I said, I just went back to like 90-something, whatever. I said, yo, I done been to jail with both of these dudes, whatever. And I was like, telling them, I was like, yo, I was like, one of them I've been hanging with. And I just, you know, I, I went to Orlando and, you know, started going to church or whatever and stuff. And, uh, but I mean, they're still crazy or whatever. And, uh, but they're in the car together. And I think they're both drunk. And so one of them goes, one of them says, he says, um, he says, man, I said, yo, y'all need to come up here or whatever. Come over and have dinner tonight and everything. And they're like, all right, man, we kind of like messed up a little bit. We might be right by 3 p.m. I think we'll be able to, you know, be together or whatever, whatever. And they're working through it. And then, and then one of them's like, yeah, man, Jay, I got to, Jay, I got to get right before I come up there to see you. And then, and then my other homeboy who's like slurring his words, he's like, Nah, man, because I've been telling him the gospel. Like, we've been going through. He's like, nah, nah, man, you, you don't have to get right. You just, Jesus. <laughs> he, he, got you, he got it right. You show up with, as you are, and then, and then Jesus, he'll, he, because the blood, and I was just like, hello? Like, you know, <laughs> but, but, but after a minute, I was like, bro, preach it. I was like, preach it. You understand what I mean? I was like, this, this conversation has been landing. We've been having them for like 20 years, and they're landing. And he says, nah, bro, we don't have to get right. We get to come as we are, wretched, filthy. This is an exchange program, right? Jesus on the cross brutalized the wrath of God, the wrath that actually we all deserve poured out on the perfect lamb. And then he takes all our wretched sin, our deep, dark secrets, this broken, this, this twisted thing that's inside of us, that craves, our flesh craves sin. It craves it. And he does a swap. He said, that's for you. Thief on the cross mode. Jesus, I deserve to be up here. I deserve to be up here dying for this. I deserve this payment. Lord, have mercy on me. His blood shed, his body broken was the cost for us to receive mercy. It was the cost for us to receive eternal life. It's the reason when we show up before the Lord and he's like, and he checks the resume, he's like, yo, that joint is squeaky clean. You're like, hold on, you talking about me? Oh, yeah. We're crazy if we think we can earn our way into heaven. It's not possible. There's no way that we could ever accumulate something that amounts to God coming off his throne and becoming a man, right? It's too precious. It's an insult. It's an insult. But we are that foolish. So what do we have to wrap ourselves in but God's goodness through Jesus Christ and his mercy for us? 
And so if you're in here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, but right now you feel that thing where you're like, man, I've been going to church, but like something feels different. Maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe you feel something pulling on you. That's not your, your virtue doing that. None of us are that good where we just want the Lord. We want our sin. And if you're having a moment where you feel like you don't want it right now, it means that the Holy Spirit is actually doing something very real in your heart right now. And so all I want to do is I want to encourage you to actually respond to that. And you might not even know what to do with that, but the, I'm going to make it real easy. The best thing you can actually do is when we get ready to do communion right now and we worship, there'll be people in the front that are praying. You can just come up and go, I don't know what's going on right now. Because God actually saved them and established them to be standing there to, like, actually walk you through it. You understand? Somebody walked me through it. I stumbled up to an altar one day. I don't know what's going on. You get where I'm coming from? So we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. So I want to encourage you in that. And we're going to take communion. If you're not a believer, we don't want you to take communion. It's not because we don't love you. We love you dearly. And we pray. We do all of this right here, number one, to just be with each other as a family, to worship God. But we take communion because the Bible says for us to do it, to remember the sacrifice of what Jesus has done, to bring us into his family, right? The drink is his blood. The bread is his body broken on our behalf. It reminds us that we are not here because we're just good people who just want to do good things and everything else. It reminds us that there was a cost, that we were saved by mercy and we were saved by grace, right? And he tells us to celebrate as a family like that. And we want you to celebrate with us, but the Bible actually says that if you're not a believer, then you shouldn't actually take up communion. And so we pray that we're able to take it with you one day, but today we would ask you to just chill back or whatever and, um, and whatnot. And then you can always talk to us about this as well. So we're going to do that and we're going to worship. So please stand and I love y'all.